Good morning, church, and welcome to another online experience here at CLA. I hope you are all enjoying this long weekend that is in front of us uh, before the chaos of the fall begins. Certainly relevant to our family as our kids enter back into school. My name is Tim. If I've not met you, I hope to connect one day with you here on site. We'll be back at the campus on September 12th. That is next Sunday morning. But for now, we are together here online. Today, I want to land the plane on our series here that we have been diving into all summer long, living life to the fullest, focusing in on identity and calling. It's been a fantastic few weeks together through these months. But today is an important part of this series. The focus is on spiritual formation. Now for me, we can understand identity and calling, but let me tell you, without the formation of our spirit connected to the teachings of Jesus, uh, really knowing our identity is irrelevant. And that's where I want to uh, conclude this series this morning. Uh, as I was thinking about how to begin uh, these thoughts today, what came to mind is actually a song by a very famous artist named Sam Smith. Some of you may uh, be aware of him, fantastic R&B artist who grew up in the church, uh, connected, has connected much of his life to the things of God, but is currently in a time of life where he is wrestling through uh, identity and understanding what this is supposed to look like in his life. He certainly uh, shares that emotion through a lot of his songwriting. Way back in 2017, there was a song called Prayer. And I wanna play this for you as we begin uh, my thoughts this morning. Sam Smith, the song Prayer. We're gonna go right to verse number two. It'll be up on the screen here. I'll give you a context uh, in a few minutes as to why I am starting with this. Have a listen together. Turn it up. Listen to these words. I'm going to stop there. Go have a listen to the song. It's called Prayer. Uh, we're going to leave it at that moment. Um, now, let me just say this. Sam Smith and his relationship with Jesus is really none of my business, but I, I hope he works things out moving forward. Uh, fantastic artist, uh, even more incredible writer, and the wrestle in his music when it comes to his relationship with the Lord is, is very intriguing and I believe uh, relatable to the generation that we are living in now. I must say that that second verse does a really great job at capturing almost the, the zeitgeist or that defining spiritual mood of our generation. And on one hand, so many want 
God, or at least an idea of God in their life today. But on the other hand, we want nothing to do uh, with him and we just want to do our own thing. That is a wrestle that so many around us are feeling and facing and experiencing today. You won't find me in church, that one line that we just listened to. Goodness, I'm sure all of us can relate to that, even in our own life at some time, at some points, or with those that we are journeying with today. That tension of what this spiritual journey should look like. But the truth is, these lyrics are really a gross, a gross misreading of what a disciple of Jesus actually is or looks like. The word disciple in the Greek is mathetes, or better defined uh, as an apprentice, because discipleship was really a whole life of apprenticeship under a Jewish rabbi. That's how it was defined. That's how people related to it. And it certainly connects just as much then as it does now. For example, let's look at Luke chapter 6, verse 39 and 40. It says, Jesus also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? The answer is no. Will they not both fall into a pit? The student or the mathetes is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. That's found in the book of Luke. Notice this, that for Jesus, the end goal of discipleship or apprenticeship to him is to become like him. We're all desiring that in our life, certainly those who are desiring to walk with the Lord. That is the end goal. And Jesus uh, very clearly lays that out in his teachings and in, in the way he lived his life here on earth. The question that I want to unpack for a few minutes uh, this morning is, how do we do that? The last few messages that I've had the privilege of sharing have been more about the way, but today I want to land the plane on the how. So the way that we discover uh, calling and, and the vision for our life and identity is important, but how we do it and how we live it out, I think has even more value because it's the practical piece on this journey with the Lord. The answer to this is spiritual formation. As I mentioned earlier, that is the how. Spiritual formation defined is the process by which we are formed to become like, and in doing so, our real true self. Spiritual formation is not just a Christian thing, but a human thing. We are all being formed every single minute of every single day. What we're being formed into, uh, who or what you are a disciple of, these are the questions that need to be asked. Two kinds of spiritual formation. There's unintentional and there's intentional. And I want to briefly touch on the unintentional and focus a few more minutes on the intentional where I think there is a ton of value. Unintentional formation is formed by the stories we believe, our habits, our relationships, and of course the environment that we find ourselves in. All of this happens over time and through our experiences. Where you wake up, you live, 
You be you and you naturally through that are being formed. Unintentionally often, but the reality is there's a formation that is taking place every single day in our lives. So our discipleship to Jesus must offset all of this. I think about Diedrich Bonhoeffer, who is one that many of you are familiar with. This goes back to the 1940s. I shared this story many months ago, but it reminded me so importantly to this point today that I want to share it again. Diedrich, he took on a very unique challenge during World War II in Germany, where he decided that there was a value that he needed to put on uh, apprenticeship of raising up young leaders, young leaders in their 20s, and help form them in the way of Christ to help to help offset and come against uh, the teachings and the formation of the Nazi regime, uh, more specifically Hitler himself. So what he did is he set up almost this campus-type communal living where he took on a hundred plus young people to disciple them in the ways of Christ. Uh, to build up leadership within the country that could help uh, come against some of this uh, oppressive leadership that was overtaking the nation and beyond. And one day, Diedrich did not come from a Christian family. One day his brother came to visit him with almost a plea in his heart to say, Diedrich, come back to reality. Why are you doing this? What is it that is so important about you giving your life to something like this? And The story goes that he brought his brother up a hill onto uh, a ravine type area. There was a lake. And then on the other side of this lake was clearly another very similar type camp that was uh, in existence. And Dietrich looked at his brother and he said, do you know what's going on over there? There's hundreds of young people from this next generation that are being formed into the likeness of, of a communist mindset. Right over there, Hitler himself is is investing into a generation to help carry on this legacy of communism, of control. And what's so incredible is they look into the distance and he shows him this camp and then he goes and back he goes back and shows his brother the camp and the and, and the investment that he's making into these these other young people. And he says very clearly to his brother that this over here has got to be stronger than that. This has to have more influence than what's happening over there. That was the conviction of Diedrich. And to me, our apprenticeship to Jesus has got to be stronger than the stories we believe, our habits, our relationships, and even our environment, that unintentional spiritual formation, which leads me this morning to looking at intentional spiritual formation, which is counter to the unintentional, that paradigm that is upon us every day. This is formed by a few different things. Number one is formed by teaching. Jesus was the greatest teacher. He did more than tell fact from fiction or right from wrong. He got into the heads of the people of that day and into our heads even to present day. 
and he formed vision and goals for for our lives. The truth is that the best way to change a society is to tell an alternative story as Jesus did all the time in his communication. He would undermine the lies that people believed with the truth and the reality of God. That was his mandate and he accomplished that in the most profound way. Romans 12 says this, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What we love in our heart, we long for. And even the way our body is set has far more of an effect on what we do with our body than what we know in our head. Teaching is vital, but it is just the beginning. Our mind is like a portal to the whole person. Next, number two, counter to habits, as I mentioned in unintentional spiritual formation, is practice. I think about the Sermon on the Mount. Some would say that this was just a utopian sort of idea where Christ was presenting things that were almost impossible to... um, uh, to, to have manifest in our life every day. The bar was so high, almost to a point where it could not be done. But what a lot of people miss is that Jesus was also incredibly down to earth as he was bringing this teaching to the people. He normalizes the reality that we are human and we will make mistakes along the way. He takes on this beautiful teaching Although the bar is set high, he makes it relevant and he makes it really, I believe, attainable if you truly understand the heart of Jesus. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teachings, others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. He goes on to say uh, really nice things about the followers of Christ, which tells me that he's relatable, that he's down to earth, and that he cares about us realizing that we can mimic and we can live out these wonderful attributes and, and, and characteristics of Christ as we learn through the Sermon on the Mount. Discipleship is all about practice. Richard Foster, who wrote the famous book Celebration of Discipline, says it like this, where he concludes that authentic change in our lives comes from training really hard, not just from trying really hard. I love that. For example, uh, with a marathon athlete, it's, it's a process. You can try really hard and not succeed at a marathon, but you can train really hard over time and continue to develop practice and rhythm and longevity in your runs uh, from going from a, a kilometer to two to five to 10 to 20, all the way up to the achieved goal. That doesn't happen overnight. I can try really hard and put some sneakers on today and start running. I might get to five, kilometers today, but I'm going to get home and I'm going to collapse and I'm going to be no good for the next few days because of the toll it took on my body. Tried really hard, but the success was temporary. 
But if I train and I develop process and I develop rhythm that encourages me to see the goal, not just beyond uh, a quick fix, but actually this, this rhythm to my day of formation, spiritual formation, as well as in the context of a marathon runner, uh, an athletic uh, process that builds me into becoming an actual runner. That is the goal. Most of us approach our spiritual training like this as well. We hear a sermon about worry and we try really hard not to worry. But the truth is over time, you can actually become a non-anxious person through slow intentional training or practice of the heart. Take the template that was set down by Jesus' life and teachings. How do we do that? Well, maybe we stop and we, we look at actually practicing Sabbath, where we turn off our phone for 24 hours, where we don't buy anything for a week, but we just rest and focus in on Him, where we worship and we go for walks and we let our soul catch up with our body. I believe that is a practice of choosing to focus in on Jesus, which ultimately will lead uh, to less anxiety, less worry, and less tension in our life. We could try really hard not to be anxious or we can actually put practice into place. Maybe instead of taking on life's challenges on our own, we can invite others into a trust walk with ourselves where we pray with them, we build habits with them, we build a a healthy place of dialogue and conversation. It's almost like it's an invitation into a vulnerability with one another, moving us towards the practice and the rhythm of becoming like Christ. And that leads me to number three. The counter to just having relationship is actually having community, where community gives you and I exposure and an encouragement. It will expose where we actually are at in our journey with Jesus, but it also, with that exposure, gives us a safe place to walk it out, not on our own, but out of relationship and community with those that we trust. Yes, I see who you are right now, but I also see where you are heading, and I'm here to help you reach your destination. That's what a marriage type community does, but even beyond that, that's what community with those who we bring into that place of vulnerability in our lives, that's the result, that we can walk this out together. We can pray with one another, encourage one another in the most profound ways. This is the context where you and I are transformed. This to me is how we practice the way of Jesus. And lastly, this morning, I want to look at the counter to our environment, which is that unintentional process. Countering that with something intentional, which to me is the Holy Spirit. Spiritual formation all orbits around the Holy Spirit. But we have to remember that this is a joint partnership with Him. There's a famous saying that Augustine said in the fourth century, without Him, Jesus, we can't, but without us, He won't. You and I have a part. 
but Jesus does all the heavy lifting as you take on your responsibility. Now, I don't know what that ratio is. Certainly not 50-50. I think, I think the, the weight that Jesus takes on for our lives may be more like 75, 25, 90, 10. Who knows what it is? But Christ took it on and all he is looking for is, is a desire and an intention for us to journey with him. He needs us to be aware. He needs us to be present. And he needs us to desire to be more like him. And when we offer that posture and that heart and that desire, what happens is he takes on the weight through his Holy Spirit and he helps us walk through the spiritual formation in the most profound way. I'm like all of us, where I grew up in a culture where most everything was at our fingertips, where we live in this instant gratification culture. But the reality is the best things in the kingdom of God take a long time to come to fruition. It's not overnight. It's not overnight where we understand what this is supposed to look like. This rhythm with Christ that that creates a fruit in our lives that affects the people around us in a healthy way. The farther down the path you go with Jesus, I believe the deeper the things will unfold in our life and the deeper influence that we can have on others. When people come to me and say, Tim, I'm, I'm too busy to be a part of community. I'm too busy to be a part of church. Too busy to be a part of accountability. I would just say to all of us, we can never be too busy to invest in the things that have the most value. Career goals and aspirations of, of achieving certain things in life, although those things have value and are important, nothing is more important than the formation of Christ-like character in our lives. We have to make time for that. We have to make time for that in our marriages. We have to make time for that in our friendships. We have to make time for that with our children. Making sure that they are hearing about Scripture. They're learning the stories of the Bible. They're memorizing the Scriptures that have the ability to transform our thinking where they know they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them, where they know that apart from Him, we can do nothing, as the Bible says. We have to influence the next generation with an understanding of who Jesus is by learning and having a conviction of Scripture. This, to me, is a part of our formation. If you want to experience what Jesus called life to the full, you have to follow him with your whole life. It takes a long time and it takes a lot of energy, but it is worth it. It is worth giving of our lives to the things of Christ. This ultimately will happen through the challenges that we face, the experiences of disappointment, the tragedies, all of that reality help builds into our formation. As long as we put those things into the context of Christ being at the center of everything that we are facing. Not one of us has to do it alone and not one of us has to come to this conclusion that 
Jesus isn't present because he is. He's there, he's with us, and he constantly is speaking to us through his Holy Spirit. Let let me remind all of us this morning that transformation is possible. It's not always natural because we are selfish and we are distracted and we are at times getting overwhelmed by the things that come our way in life. But transformation is possible. The sooner you deal with, as I mentioned last week, your shadow side, the things that so easily entangle the sin in our lives that causes us to stumble, the sooner that we walk through those things and and find uh, help in those areas and accountability in those areas, the sooner that you will find and I will find freedom in Christ. I conclude today with a plea to all of you here at CLA that this fall, you and I will make an effort, maybe for some that you haven't in a long time, an effort to get involved in the lives of those around you. We have for so many months isolated ourselves, been holding on to the things that we're ashamed of or embarrassed of. But as I've mentioned over these last few weeks, a part of identity and calling is understanding who we are in Christ. That is at the center of it all. But we can't figure those things out until we have this intentional spiritual formation that takes us along this road of discovery. A formation that builds into you and I an understanding of who Jesus is. We do that through community. We do that through the things that I talked about today. Formation that comes from teaching. Formation that comes from practice. Through the Holy Spirit. Formation that brings us an apprenticeship and a discipleship towards Jesus that has long-lasting results. That is my desire for you, church. Let's pray as I conclude this morning. Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to be formed by you, to be discipled, to be apprenticed by you, Jesus. You have given us the tools. You have given us the opportunity. You've raised the bar high, but yet you have made it attainable through your Holy Spirit working in our lives. You have given us incredible family and friendship and relationship that can help us run this race not on our own but with those that can lift us up and encourage us and remind us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. God, would you seal this teaching in our hearts this morning? Would you give us uh, uh, a courage and an expectation to not Look at the fall as an overwhelming chapter with many, many things that we have more questions and answers about. But would you help us to focus on you, not focus on politics, focusing on on, um, on restrictions or uh, what, what, what the government is saying here or what's expected here. But would you keep our eyes set on you? so that we can be a part of the solution, a part of bringing hope to those around us. That is my prayer today, Lord. We are ready and set for what is in front of us. I thank you for these things. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 
I love you, CLA. Enjoy the rest of your long weekend. Come on out next Sunday morning, 10 a.m., Fall Launch Sunday. I cannot wait. You'll be able to hear all about the ministries, the small groups that we have, uh, the investments that we are desiring to, to have available to our CLA family in these weeks to come. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye-bye.